Greetings, friends, and welcome to DJ in Real Life. This is your boy DJ, this is my real life on the internet, or way one can call a real life on the internet. There's a lot of turbulence and turmoil in the world these days. You can thank or blame coronavirus or racism or police brutality or politics or whatever. I do have a ton of thoughts on these things. However, for the time being, I'm going to hold off on talking about that stuff for a couple of reasons. Reason number one, those things individually work me up, and I don't really express myself all that well when I'm wound up about stuff. Doing so has gotten me into trouble and led me down paths I've never wanted to take, which leads me to reason number two. The last time I did express stuff while being wound up was in the months after the passing of my old friend Roger Bird back in 2008. I was seriously grieving his death, away from folks and pretty much by myself. I didn't take his death too well, partly because of a lot of unresolved issues. As a result, I started speaking out about stuff that isolated me even further from so many more people, including many of my closest friends. I became estranged from them for several years after. I learned my lesson from that, and with the recent passing of my friend Cheryl, I thought discretion would be the better part of valor here, and I don't want history to repeat itself. I'm going to hold off until I can get my thoughts together and not be worked up or defensive or put offish when I eventually do talk about all that stuff. Now, even though I said all that, I'm actually going to get into some emotional stuff about yours truly today that I've been dying to delve into for a while now. It's stuff I've talked about before with a few people in a limited fashion, but I'm getting into it again for those who might be curious about a time in my past I haven't really talked about all that much, or for those who have some idea what I'm getting into but want a more fuller picture. I want to specifically get into something that, well, haunts me and has haunted me for a long time. Before I get into that, most people who know me know that I like to go out dancing, go to the club, take in the sights at a club, etc., etc., etc. Many of them also notice that even though I'm attracted to women in the clubs, especially those that are hot, beautiful, and gorgeous in my opinion, don't judge me, I like what I like. Anyway, they notice I don't go out of my way to approach them or hit on them. Or when they talk to me, I don't try to give off romantic vibes or whatever. I notice a lot of confusion out of those people about that. Some of them have actually claimed it's some kind of tactic to get into women's pants. It's obviously not, as I just can't see how that kind of pity would actually work anyway. Some have attributed it to my mental health stuff or living situation, which currently does play into it somewhat. I've even had one friend outright ask me if I was gay. I'm not, but it bugged me that he actually asked that. Now, when thinking about it, it occurred to me that a lot of these folks just don't have any idea of what happened to me that got me like this. There was one specific series of events in particular that happened a long time ago that I personally believe is responsible for that. There's only a couple people I'm still connected with from that time who may be clued in because they were around me when it happened, but for the most part, it's something that, until now, I've really been reluctant to get into. Let me take you back in the day to late summer 1993 before my third year at Ohio State. Yep, a long time ago. I just started my first real relationship, hooking up with a girl and fellow OSU student who seemed pretty into me. Now, given what happened to me in the year prior, which I might or might not get into in a future show, this was a great thing for me, and I was excited to be with someone I was potentially hoping would be my wife. However, at the beginning of the school year, I moved into a triple with a couple of roommates. One of those roommates, whom I will not name here, regularly hung out with me and my girlfriend and a few common friends of ours. A few months into the relationship, my girlfriend one day up and tells me that this roommate has a crush on her and that he's, quote, in love with her, unquote. Up to that point, I really didn't see anything that indicated he was actually into her, so I suggested that, well, 
maybe we shouldn't hang out with him so much because things would just get complicated. She made it clear she didn't want to do that, and for a while I tried to let that go. Honestly though, it was eating me up inside. From around that point on in our relationship, he was a major source of tension between the two of us, one that in my head I just couldn't let go of. I did my best to keep somewhat distant from the roommate and avoid one-on-one situations with him. There were times where I felt like I was never going to be enough for my girlfriend and it didn't help that this roommate of mine got her a job at OSU's new fancy schmancy science and engineering library where he worked. It also didn't help when I discovered that they were hanging out with those aforementioned common friends of ours without me around or even knowing they were doing this. I thought they were my friends too. That got me real suspicious and it drove me nuts. Why were they doing all this? I had suspicions she was cheating on me with them, but I could never prove anything. After a few more months of dating and actually being engaged to her for a while, I ended up breaking it off with her at the end of the school year because of everything that was going on. On the day of that breakup, she immediately, and I mean that day immediately, hooked up with my now ex-roommate. She told me she fell in love with him that day, which given how he was supposedly so into her, I believe to this day a hell of a lot more was already going on. I have told people in the past that she had outright cheated on me with him, but the truth was I was never sure. So for those I said that to, I'm moaning up and apologizing for saying that. I do have to note that early on in our relationship, a couple of those aforementioned friends of ours apparently gave her a nickname. Never enough. At the time, I thought it was because she couldn't get enough of me. Cue the Tamiya song. But in light of how she hooked up with my ex-roommate, I started believing it meant something else entirely, and I think most of you can guess what that was. Hence the cheating comments. We did try one more time to get a relationship going again, but because there was already so much tension between us, that only lasted a week or so, and she ultimately went back to him. A couple months after that, and about a year after we first started dating, I walked into that library where she worked and told her I was never going to bother her or that ex-roommate again, then walked right out. I then went over to Baker Systems afterward, where the open computer labs were at Ohio State, headed straight for the bathroom, and proceeded to throw up for about a half an hour. I needed to do that, completely break it off with her that is, but I was seriously hurting. Now, you would think that would be the end of the story, but there was one more event that happened regarding those two which scarred me. I'm going to describe this as best as I can in as much detail as I can remember, so bear with me here. For the next few months after the cutoff, I tried to avoid even thinking about them, much less be near them. To this day, I can't believe how disciplined I was in doing that for so long. I guess I was ready for a change. Anyway, one night, I was working my campus job as a security rogue, walking and patrolling OSU campus with my partner Kevin. Not to be confused with my friend who's part of my crew, but a different guy. Anyway, throughout that particular night, I noticed the ex-girlfriend and the ex-roommate popping up randomly at locations Kevin and I were patrolling. Sometimes they were arguing, sometimes holding each other pretty tight, but after seeing them in so many places, Kevin himself noted that they may have been trying to follow us. I tried to dismiss it, saying that it wasn't that big a deal anymore, but in my head, I was worried they were going to try something. I tried to stay as close to High Street as possible where the street was well lit, so my ex and her beau wouldn't try to do anything, at least not without a lot of people around. When it looked like they were heading back to where they lived, I started to feel relieved and got back to my job. About 45 minutes after that, my partner and I were ordered to come back to our headquarters, which at the time was the OSU police station. When we got there, Kevin was summoned by the night manager into the office alone to talk for about five minutes. Then they both asked me to come in. Sure enough, my fears from earlier in the night came true. The manager took in a complaint call from the ex-roommate claiming that I supposedly went to his apartment, which was off campus, 
and yelled and harassed him and my ex-girlfriend. Kevin confirmed that neither he nor I left campus that night, but the fact that either one of them would pull something like that, it opened up a lot of old wounds. I started losing a lot of trust and faith in people in general that night because of what that jerk pulled. As Darth Vader would likely say, his betrayal was complete. If people thought I was paranoid before that, this sent me over the edge. It was one of the things that led to me leaving OSU at the end of that school year as a student, which I wouldn't come back full-time for about another nine years. Again, another story for a future podcast. The funny thing was that about three or four months after that call happened, I hooked up with my ex-girlfriend for a one-night stand. This time, I was the other guy. She claimed that she had nothing to do with that crank phone call in the first place, and I told her I believed her, but underneath, I don't think she was that innocent. After the hookup, I personally escorted her to the old Ohio Union, where mental health services were at the time, and asked her to go talk to a therapist. Don't know if she did it or not, because I took off when she entered the building. With a lot of questions in my head about her possible involvement in that fake-ass complaint, I thought maybe that's where she needed to be, and for me to let her go for good. I probably should have seen a therapist myself at the time, but she seemed to need it more then, as I wouldn't go to one myself until years later. Anyway, the last time I ever talked to her was a chance meeting walking down High Street around the time of my birthday, when she seemed really angry in general, but trying to hold it back. I left it at that, but the last time I actually saw her and my ex-roommate was I saw them walking through Sears Northland during the Christmas season where I was working after I left OSU. I don't know if they saw me or not, but when I saw them, I immediately turned around, walked into the stockroom, and had a panic attack. That was the last time I saw either one of them. The last time I heard about them, I heard she got married to some other guy and their ex-roommate became an airline pilot. Other than that, she may have been my first love, but honestly, I really don't give a damn about either of them anymore. That relationship, especially the end of it, led to a lot of things. First, I got it in my head that, aside from my other mental health issues, I thought I would never be enough for a woman, no matter what I did, and I still struggle with that train of thought to this day. I did have a couple of girlfriends after that, but the first one of them cheated on me with a friend of mine, and the other one dumped me because I accidentally insulted her, and she seemed like she was looking for more of a sugar daddy anyway. Which, for people who've known me over the years, I've never been one of those. The reluctance is palpable. Sometimes it was reinforced by family and so-called friends who were looking for their own hookups at my expense, trying to scare me away from even thinking about going after their prey, for lack of a better term, so that hasn't helped. This stuff comes to mind almost every time I'm around a woman I'm attracted to. I want to get over that crap. I want to date, and maybe eventually I want to be in a serious relationship, but at this point, it's probably going to take an extremely patient and strong woman emotionally to help me turn that around. Something else it instilled in me, though, is after all the drama from that stuff, how much I actually value romantic relationships and marriages. Yeah, I know. It sounds weird, but it's true. If there is even an inkling a woman I might have interest in has a boyfriend or a husband, I shut down all possibility immediately, even in the face of peer pressure. And I've faced some immense peer pressure over the years, especially in the clubs. I guess that's what's also attracted me to TV shows like Cheaters and Catfish. It's also led me to try to live more on my own, aside from living with my family. I did have a couple of roommates since then, one when I returned to OSU, who got his own single a couple weeks after arriving, and another after college who helped me stay in Columbus for another year plus before I moved into a place of my own. But for the most part, unless I get married or move in with a girlfriend, I'm likely looking at living on my own. On my own terms, no roommates. That jackass of an ex-roommate ruined it for me on that front all those years ago, and I'm hoping the damage he and that ex-girlfriend of mine inflicted doesn't hamper my chances to be married or even have another girlfriend. Yes, I know, 
It's been 25 years now, and it probably shouldn't affect me that much anymore. However, I have a pretty darn good memory, and the curse of having a good memory is that sometimes memories stay really fresh, and thus, so do the wounds. I don't want that crap anymore. I'm not sure how I'm going to get rid of it, if it's possible, but it's one of the things in my life I want more than anything, to be rid of the specter and the ghost of that drama from way back when. That was probably a lot to take in, but there it is. The reasons for my reluctance with women. Emotional as hell for me, but I absolutely want that to change. Now, before I start getting even more worked up about this, and thus lose my train of thought, I think I'd better end today's show. So for now, that's all I have, and with that, I bid you adieu. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to DJ in Real Life on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Instagram, and the YouTube channel. You can also connect through social media to the show's Twitter and Facebook pages. DJ in Real Life is produced by Hillbilly Vampire Productions, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. Until next time, folks, this is your boy DJ saying take care, God bless, and watch out for those hoochie mamas and gold figures. Trust me, they ain't good for you. Goodbye, everybody.